America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that takes the measure of history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're looking at the origins of the metric system, an invention that made human life a whole lot simpler, even if there are still a few holdouts. The day was April 7th, 1795. The basis for the metric system was officially defined and adopted by the revolutionary government of France. The French First Republic had formed three years earlier, following the fall of the monarchy, when King Louis XVI was dethroned and later executed. The revolution offered a rare chance to upend old societal habits and traditions, and that included the country's confusing system of measurement. At the time, France used thousands of different units of measure, including almost 400 different ways to measure the area of land. It was much the same in other countries, and had been since ancient times. Units of measure were derived from parts of the human body, the length and width of feet, hands, arms, elbows, thumbs, you name it. The problem was, people have different sized body parts, in case you haven't noticed. Local forms of measure were also derived from other variable factors, such as the width of the looms used by a certain town, or how much land a man can work in a day. In practice, this meant the ways to measure length and weight varied not only between countries, 
but across regions of the same country, and even from town to town or house to house. So when the French Republic finally wrestled power from the monarchy, it decided to throw out all the local units of measure in France and instead start fresh with a formal system based on multiples of 10. However, devising a standardized system of measurement was no easy task. In fact, it took the nation's leading scientific thinkers about seven years to develop it. Part of the challenge was finding a way to express new measures in terms of logic and nature, rather than local customs and other variable factors. The scientists needed a natural, physical unit on which to build their new system, a point of reference for length that wouldn't change over time. Eventually, the group settled on using the length of one ten millionth of the distance between the North Pole and the equator, passing through Paris. That very specific length later became known as the meter, the fundamental base unit for what would later become the metric system. The only problem was that no one actually knew how long that distance was. It had never been measured before. So what followed was a grueling six-year survey to figure out exactly how long a meter was. That task was spearheaded by French astronomers and mathematicians named Pierre Machin and Jean-Baptiste de Lambre. Machin traveled south to Barcelona, Spain, and de Lambre headed north to Dunkirk, France. Once the men were in position, they set to work taking measurements across their respective cities. Sometimes the work took them to strange places, like the middle of busy streets or the tops of churches. Getting in everyone's way didn't win them any friends, but the data they gathered eventually allowed Machin and de Lambre to measure the meridian arc between Barcelona and Dunkirk. With that, they would be able to extrapolate the distance between the North Pole and the equator. That would yield an exact value for one ten millionth of that distance, the true distance of a meter. Getting to that point would take the pair another few years, and in the meantime, other members of the French Academy of Sciences set to work on fleshing out and formalizing the rest of the system. The base unit's name, the meter, came from the Greek word metron, which means measure. By 1795, four other new units had been derived from the meter, thus creating an entire metric, or metric, system. This early form of the system was outlined in Article 5 in the Constitution of the French First Republic on April 7th of that year. There, the scientists provided definitions for the five new units of measure to be used throughout all of France. These included the meter, for length, the liter, for capacity, the gram, for mass, and the hour, for the area of land. There was also a unit called the steer, which was used exclusively for measuring the volume of stacked firewood. It uh, doesn't get as much use these days. Defining the units in mathematical terms was a crucial step, but in order for them to be of use to the general public, they needed to be more tangible. In June of 1799, de Lambre and Machin finally presented their findings, and the length of a standard meter became a point of fact. Soon, physical representations of the meter and the kilogram were created out of platinum. These embodiments of the new units were then adopted as the legal standards for all measurements in France, 
If there was ever a question of exactly how long a meter was or how much a kilogram weighs, these objects would be the answer. The hope was that the new system would be adopted smoothly, not just by the French public, but in all countries. That hope was reflected in the system's motto, for all people, for all time. The motto never quite came true, but more than two centuries later, it's pretty close. Today, the metric system is the official system of measurement for every country in the world, except three. Liberia, Myanmar, and of course, the United States. But even in those countries, the metric system is still the standard used for global trade, and most citizens have at least a passing understanding of metric units. It's a little annoying to have just three countries as holdouts, but old customs and economies can be tough to shake. That was the case even in late 18th century France, where the system was born. Despite all the years of hard work and planning that went into crafting a standard system of measurement, most people in France at the time were reluctant to use it. They preferred the ways of measuring they were used to, the ones they had grown up with, that were tied to the places where they lived. This commitment to the old ways endured in rural areas, but in Paris, police inspectors were sent to the city's marketplaces to make sure the metric system was being used. That militant approach worked well for a while, but any progress they made was eventually undone in 1812, when Napoleon threw out the whole system. It continued to be taught in schools, but officially, people were allowed to use whichever units of measure they pleased. That reversion to the old ways proved to be short-lived, as the metric system was reinstated in 1840 and has been in wide use ever since. Many historians believe that France was only able to implement a new system of measurement because the country was in the midst of a revolution, where many other aspects of society and government were being changed as well. Similarly, when England adopted the metric system in the 1970s, it was also going through a period of political upheaval. I'm not suggesting that anyone so political and social discord in Liberia, Myanmar, or the US but if it happened to come about naturally, it might be a good time for fans of the metric system to make their move. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can send your feedback directly to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.